0: doing my best for these kids. These kids deserve to come out a winner. The seniors deserve to win.
1: And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, <laughs> and that's what I like doing.
0: Pete, nobody's <laughs> looking at your tweets. Now, all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this chair, and I told him, you know what? I'm still crawling my hands and knees to work here. I, I just want to be here. Those situations are the worst. When you are on top yeah. of another guy. You can't blame a lost awake on lack of resources. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. Believe me, the last thing I want to do is Ever talk about J.C. Price? I want to talk about these great student athletes we have and about trying to get them a win.
1: That's your boy. That's your judge of character.
0: Keep pinching myself.
1: I want to know what you're drinking,
0: Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? Eleven. Fighting for social justice by drinking. I I appreciate that. We're gonna put this old guy in a grave. Hey, mom, why don't you
1: try a rail?
0: Our story's not written. Our book's not finished. What's it gonna say? And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast.
1: Welcome to Two Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, we are ACC champions in basketball.
0: I'm not sure I've gotten used to that yet. How are you feeling, man? I am ecstatic. It, it, that, is, that is something during the start of ACC play that we never thought we would be saying. Nobody would have thought that we would be saying that uh, come this time in the season, so... Super excited. I am, uh, we'll get into the games and everything that had to take place for us to get to that point, but talk about the confetti coming down and it being orange and maroon, watching Coach K walk out under the uh, confetti of Virginia Tech colors yeah, was pretty was incredible, but um, yeah, I'm, I am i am so excited for for the team really everybody the coaches it just it was just such an, an amazing day and still is I haven't gotten used to to saying that either
1: I know I know man give us a cheers we'll get going
0: well I'll, I'll keep it where it started it's it's all about uh, the Virginia Tech basketball team and uh, cheers to them in I think the best quotes, it came up a few times during the postgame, even during the pregame, of how dark of a place that Virginia Tech basketball was in at a certain point. I think Mike Young talked about it. Um, I think everybody ended up talking about it. The guy Couture talked about it for a bit. And just to be able to get from that place, knowing that they were a better team than their record was showing, a better team than what they were showing out on the court some tough losses really early on to take that all the way to the ACC tournament, come in as a seven seed and then win four games in four days and pull that out. First time that a seven seed in ACC history has won the, won the tournament. It's just incredible. So hats off to those guys and and we'll get into the details of it, but um just so proud of them and, and their resilience if nothing else. Yeah. Cheers, man. I was
1: fortunate enough to be able to go to the game. I live in New Jersey, as most of our listeners are aware. The game was in Brooklyn. And so after we beat UNC, you know, me and my wife were kind of talking about it. Um, We had her aunt in town, too, and she lives up in Boston, but she was visiting us. She's like, you guys should really go. And I'm like, yeah, I've been waiting for Tech to be in the championship game (laughs) since I was in college. (laughs) So I think we have to go, considering it's one state away and really like an hour and a half away if you hit no traffic. So we went. Me and my wife did, and she was a good sport about it. Last minute, got a hotel room, used some credit card points, got got the tickets, which – plummeted like the prices of the tickets like shot down i guess it was all the unc fans selling like i don't know what it was but like we sat upper deck but we paid like 20 bucks like we 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 didn't pay virtually anything for the tickets so it was that was fantastic um and the, the barclays center was cool you know how they have boutique hotels yeah. You know, you go stay at this hotel, it's kind of kitschy or whatever. It kind of was like a boutique stadium, <laughs> even, <laughs> even yeah. though it was, it's a big stadium, like it holds a lot of people, but it was just kind of like a little bit more modern, a little bit more like closed in cozy kind of feel, but it was rocking. And I'll, I'll describe that a little bit more later. It's like the, just uh, had a blast. It's like
0: what Kempton Inn does. Like the Kempton <laughs> yeah. Inn, they all look different. And I got married in a Kempton Inn, uh, like a hotel, but they all look like, that's their whole thing is like, they take like old buildings and they make every like hotel feel different in Boston, DC, everything. So I think that's, uh I can, I totally picture what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And the Nets who play there are like all black And so like the stadium was like all black. It was just like, kind of like a modern feel in there, but electric crowd, really good crowd, tons of Duke fans, tons of Hokie fans. I got to a a couple bars before the game, just around the blocks around the stadium. And so many Hokies made the trip up and it was fun chatting with various people. And I even met a listener and Mitch, uh, he's a a professor up at Penn state, but he came over and said he was a listener to the podcast and, and it was very, very friendly. And, um, he actually teaches a class on like the social aspect of alcohol at Penn state. And I was like, <laughs> I'd like to talk about that class on the podcast at some point, but Mitch, <laughs> thanks for coming over and saying hello. Um, let's talk about what happened before the tournament quickly, because this team started off two and seven in the ACC. Yep. They had heartbreaking losses that added to like the Memphis loss and the Xavier loss that we had earlier in the year. We had UVA game, which was such a close game. We ended up losing that one, and then the
0: Miami heave, yeah, the which was just
1: devastating.
0: Yeah, that was just that was just what's the opposite of icing on the cake of uh, how bad <laughs> things can get. Uh, that that was that was it was a kick in the nuts. Is what yes, it was. that's probably the a better way to put it because
1: the tournament chances seemed over. Once that shot from Miami went in, that would have been maybe a Q1 win at the time, at the very least a Q2, and an ACC win we badly needed. And it just felt like this team doesn't have it this year. We had a little bit of a disappointment and and storm coming in. We expected more. Um, we had guys that were shooting really cold, and, and Naheem was having a rough stretch. But somehow, Mike Young motivated these guys they were always better than the record. That's something you said. And it's something that Jay Billis had said several times throughout the season. Like this team isn't this bad. And we went on a run and we got the redemption against Miami. And that was a clutch shot by Maddox at the end of that game to win. We would see that again in the tournament, him being clutch.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but they finished the season nine and two in the ACC and finished with a winning record overall. Like it was just unbelievable. Cause the last time we recorded, we hadn't even played St. Bonaventure yet. Right after we recorded, we beat St. Bonaventure. And yep. that was probably the, like, the last bright spot for a little while. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that was it. We we ended up losing to Duke. Then we had like a COVID layoff. Then we lost to NC State, and we lost to UVA. And it was like, Jesus, it was just such a tough run. Because we had already lost to Wake prior to that, like earlier in the year. So we were 0-4. Then we were 2-7. We go on the run and we have Clemson right at the end of the regular season and we needed this one we're thinking if we beat Clemson and then maybe we get one or two in the tournament we can get in to the dance and we lose to Clemson on the road we kind of blew it like we we ha- we were in control i think we were winning at halftime and I, I most thought including myself
0: that that was the end of the tournament chances when we lost to Clemson is that how you were feeling yeah i think i think everybody had resigned themselves Everybody was skeptical even going into the Clemson game. Back of our mind I thought we all thought there was a like a puncher's chance that if we beat Clemson we made a, you know got a few games under our belt in the tournament then there was a chance that we could be on the bubble and get in, but it still wasn't looking all that great. Once we lost that game, I think everybody just you know, I hate to say it, you know, we didn't pack it in, but everybody was excited about the tournament, but everybody like kind of knew that, you know, NIT was probably the best that was that was going to happen.
1: Yeah, and when you're thinking about the tournament and getting excited for it, that killed the momentum because we were on a streak and we were going and we knew we basically couldn't lose if we wanted to get in as an at-large. Yeah. And so then that happens and it's like, man, we're really going to have to like beat Duke or something or beat UNC in this tournament and or win it. But when you say that at the beginning, you're like, yeah, right. Like we're not... We're not going to win this. We've never even been in the championship game. And then we get Clemson again, first round. And another time, playing Clemson, we blow the lead. Like, we yes. were in control of that game. We blow it. It goes to overtime. And we're now down two points. It's It, it looks so bleak. And Maddox brings that ball up, calm, cool, collected. Fires off just the dagger. And then, you know, untucks his shirt and like, it was on, we got the three pointer for the win in overtime and I was going nuts. Like my, we already had my wife's aunt in town and she was like watching the game (laughs) with us. She was, she's kind of like talking during the game or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, this is like the last chance for the season. And then Maddox (laughs) says, I jump out of my chair. I'm like running around. She thinks I'm nuts. But that was, when you look back on it now, that is one of the biggest shots in school history.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that buzzer beater to take them down, it, it, it's obvious, but it needs to be said. Without that, none of the rest of the story actually even matters. And without it even happening that way, I'm not even sure if we pull out like a kind of a squeaker game with like a four-point win, I'm not even sure the rest of the waterfall actually kind of takes place. I think that just allowed this team to know no matter what the odds are, like even giving away a lead like that when they really needed to hold on to it, to a team that they were already up on in a previous mm-hmm. game and then gave it away to be able to come back there. I think set the rest of the um, rest of it in motion.
1: I think that's a really good point because we had lost so many close games and the team might've felt, we just can't get over this hump. We, we can't win the close ones. We're, we're struggling And when that shot went in, you're right, that might have been the spark. And it could have gone the other way because I, a little part of me was thinking, we get this big emotional win. It's late at night. It took overtime. And now we got to go out the next day and beat a good Notre Dame team. And credit to them, they did just that. I thought they might like be a little tired or whatever. And they took it to Notre Dame. I mean, that wasn't, we didn't cruise to victory, Mm -hmm. but we got. Great contributions from Padula. Aline was also good in that game. Storm had fantastic first and second games of the tournament, was really playing with confidence, and we beat them pretty handily. So that was an excellent victory and a great bounce back from an emotional win against Clemson to take out Notre Dame. And then it was on. You had UNC and Duke, the two premier names in the conference, the blue bloods of the conference, and you got to beat them both both of which are ranked, to go to the NCAA tournament. Or at that point, we were thinking, hey, maybe if we beat UNC, we can get in. But I don't think that was the case. We needed to win both those games at that point.
0: Yeah, especially seeing the way that the bubble ended up playing out. And, I mean, if you remember, in the Clemson game, Maddox had the buzzer beater, but Aluma had 19 points. He also mm. led the team in rebounds. You come out, Notre Dame game, Aluma had 20 points, uh went eight for twelve, storm had sixteen. That's when we started to see, for lack of a better phrase, the storm start to brew in in <laughs> in in that. And then you get into the North Carolina game and then it was Maddox. He had twenty points, went seven for twelve. Also then he led the team in rebounds. You you started to see the depth that we kind of thought was in this team by players picking each other up on nights that everybody else wasn't really having. And it continued and we'll get into, you know, the, the crescendo that that happened at Duke.
1: And the one thing that we had struggled with most of the year was these athletic teams that rebound. Well, they just, you know, service our lunch every single time. And Baco in that, or Armando Baycott, however you want to say it, he had been a problem for us. And he was a problem in this game too, but Aluma stepped up to the plate. He played tough the entire tournament and he battled, man. And we had a nice lead. You mentioned how Maddox had his career high of 20 points. And it got dicey there. For this in the second half, there was a point where they called a foul on us and it was got like to eight points or something. And we're like, oh no, here it comes. Mm-hmm. And Mutz got a huge bucket and it changed the momentum of that game. And we took it to them. And our defense was on point. I think we only gave up 57 in that one. And we we took down the Tar Heels after losing them to them twice earlier in the year. Huge win. And at that point, it's like we're playing Coach K in his last ACC tournament game. I can't believe we made it to the championship. I mean, I was I was going nuts after that. When, when we're hitting those threes because... We hit so many threes in this tournament, so many clutch threes. And there was one in that UNC game and I just like looked up at the sky. I was like, "We're going to beat UNC." And it just felt like this team was different. Like they were just special. And it gets to Saturday and man, how about that start to that Duke game? Both teams just hitting shot after shot.
0: Well, you're you're in the stadium and yes. you, me, and Joe are on a text chain together and me and Joe, I uh, I knew you couldn't respond because you're like watching the game live, and me and Joe are just going crazy, and we're like, "What is happening?" I think, I think at one point, I I don't remember what the stat was. I think the teams were like ten of twelve or eleven of twelve, like in in field goals and three pointers just to start the game. It was just back and forth and back and forth, and right then, it was at that moment I was like this game is special. Like forget like whether we win or whether we lose, like people are watching this game. And even if you're not a fan of either team, people have to be like losing their minds. Just like Mm -hmm. if you like the tournament, because it was nuts. It was high level
1: college basketball. And if anyone out there was watching some of the Villanova Creighton game, which was going on across town at MSG that was a terrible game. Like it was like nineteen seventeen at halftime or something. Mm-hmm. Grinder, and meanwhile you got we scored that in the first like ten minutes of our right. game. Right. It was it was so awesome. And the beauty of it was it got the crowd into it. And like you said, my wife had asked me this before we went up. She's like, if they lose, is this still going to be fun? Because I don't want to commit to this if it's going to be a total wash if they lose. And I'm like, listen, we're we're playing with total house money at this point. We're going to go up. We're going to watch a fun game. Coach K's last game. Like, it's it's going to be fun no matter what happens. And then right off the bat, it was. It was. The, the crowd got so into it, and they didn't let up, like, the entire time. But you could hear, go Hokies. You could hear all the Duke chants. The Duke band is playing. It was it was so sweet. And Kator, can you believe that first half, that second half, MVP of the whole thing. I mean, he went crazy. It, I,
0: I it, we kept, te- the funny part is, is that we, me and Joe were texting each other. You were chiming in when you could. And, uh, and me and Joe, after he kept making more and more shots and more and more plays, we're like, this is, this guy's out of his mind. Like, he, he is just can't miss. I think he went six for six at one point in, from, from threes. And he then he missed, I think, his seventh three-pointer. Finally, he, he had one miss. It, it wasn't... It, it, and then I was like, okay, this guy has to cool off at some point. But then he didn't do it just with all three-pointers. Then he had... He had the breakaway that he had with the, the um, he had a, a, a key rebound. He had a steal. It, it he was, had three steals in the yeah, game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, he, and we know that he's a
1: great defender, mm-hmm. but it was a complete performance by him. And we know, we knew about Hunter that when he is hot, he, he's unlike anybody else. We saw it in the Florida State game, how, how insane he can be. And he had struggled after that game. He had really struggled. His three-point percentage was terrible since the Florida State game, pretty much all the way up until the Duke game. He was really struggling with his shot. And he saved the best for last, man. (laughs) And like we we needed 31 points, seven threes, three steals. Just an unbelievable performance from him. And the whole team, though, played so hard. I hate, I hate, like, it just means more. Like, you know, the SEC, it just means more. (laughs) But, like, in this game... It's We have a veteran team, a team that never has been to this spot and has played a lot of college basketball, and they wanted this so bad. Duke has, f- like, four first-rounders on their team, potentially. Yeah. Like, they they are so talented, but they are young. They have not played this much college basketball. they their first time playing in the tournament for a lot of them and all that stuff, and we outplayed them. Like, we played tougher, we played smarter— and it was a thing of beauty to watch.
0: We forced them into foul trouble, which they had to deal with almost. They, they were in foul trouble in the, for one of their players for, in the first half. I, mm-hmm. it, it was, um, that was amazing. The, the It's hard. I don't want to jump all the way to like the stories of it, but the rebounding is, mm. they talked about it a lot. And I don't know if you went back and watched the game, but they talked a lot about it on the broadcast of like, even our guards are getting in there and rebounding. And sometimes people are just kind of saying that, trying to pick something out that, you know, as an analyst, they're trying to, like, make some commentary. It was so obvious. There are literally five people going after every offensive rebound that, and defensive rebound. It is just a swarm of just incredible. And I think that is what was most shocking to me was – it looked like Duke didn't even have a chance to get a ball. If it was up in the air, either one, we were coming down with it, or two, we were going to try and rip their throats out to make sure that like at least we got a finger on it and tipped it away. It that was, um, that was the most shocking part of the whole game for me, other than Couture going absolutely crazy. And another story of the season in general was the fact
1: that Aluma had kind of not improved upon the season prior in which he was so good for us last year and he would have some up and down games some very good games but then he would kind of disappear in some other games well he didn't disappear at all in this tournament he averaged 19 he had 19 10 and 7 assists in the final like he was a monster and like this is what we've been waiting for from him if he's going to go to the NBA this is the type of stuff that he needs to do and it was it was awesome to watch him fulfill his potential throughout this tournament and I would say the same thing about storm yeah. because he played with so much confidence and that's something we talked about earlier in the year like he just looks like he's nervous like he's scared to shoot he's scared to drive the lane and he just really got in there he was driving he was finding guys he was hitting shots he averaged just about 12 four and a half assists he hit five threes in that Clemson game. He yep. came out, you know, guns blazing in the first game. But I was really proud of Storm, of, like, you know, just sticking with his game all year and just having this coming out part in the tournament. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, it looked like he finally moved past... It looked like he finally moved past the Wofford days and then, like, finally got comfortable in the ACC. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he... he it was almost like it was in his head that, hey, this is the upper, I mean, the ACC is the upper echelon of college basketball. I mean, th- th- there's no doubt about it. It was almost in his head, and finally, it looked like he was just like, F it. You know, I'm just going to play, have fun, do my thing, get sweaty, let my old man hair- <laughs> He got so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, let my old man like hair like flop over like he's got a comb over uh, thing going, and- um, and just looked like he was having fun with it, and uh, I, I so I couldn't be more happy for him and and seeing his confidence in what he did. And we haven't mentioned Mutz and oh, yeah. and what and what he did. He is such a silent assassin. You know, his his stats never blow you away. Like he never leads the team. He'll lead in assists every once in a while, but he is just a bulldog and he gets put in really tough positions. He's always guarding like a really, really tough player, especially at the ACC level, like given his size, he's always, you know, very contested. He's got to, you know, hit. Remember the, the pass that he made when they joked about it. on Oh, the broadcast? Yes, yes. Like the, where he basically hit the, uh, it was like the billard shot where like, you got to like take it around another ball. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but he's just like, he's a such a solid core to the team, even though you look at the stat sheet afterwards and you could overlook him, but you, you just can't overlook his presence and what he does um, for the team. And when he played, like he's the heart
1: of the team. Mm-hmm. He's the emotional leader of this team. And he, he had that triple double earlier in the year, yep. but I know exactly what you're saying. He's a the prototypical glue guy. Every team needs a Justin Mutz in some form and, He was so important to us, and the fact that we had Aluma and him, two big men, not just Kerry Blackshear, you know, getting into foul trouble and having to leave, like, we had these two guys who just came to play again and again, and did you hear what Mike Young said about maybe bringing Mutz back next year? (laughs) I I think I heard it. It got me a little excited, because that would be... That would be fantastic. I,
0: I, yeah, i i I don't know that that's going to happen, but I guess we we will see. So, uh, but um, overall, it was, I don't, I, I don't know. It was, um, it, it, you know, you talked about the UNC game when they started to come back. They got it within eight. I had that same feeling, and me and Joe were texting about it when Duke started to get a little bit close, and I was like, Oh no, is this going to be, you know virginia tech all over again like is this going to be where we you know we really had it we could make it happen and they didn't they they didn't allow that to happen they 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 played so well they forced like really really uh unfortunate turnovers for duke um at like weird spots they rebounded well and then all of a sudden you could just see the wind get sucked out of like duke and you like uh, all of a sudden i turned around and there was think there was eight minutes left and i'm thinking wow, well we're, we're gonna win like right. there's no doubt and i was like how is that possible like there's eight minutes left but i was like no we're actually gonna win normally with eight minutes left i'm sitting there like you know hiding behind you know the pillows trying to like you know cover my face because i feel like the opposite's gonna happen and that was the craziest thing you know we go out and we win the four games in four days
1: and duke didn't have to play that many games unc didn't have to play as many games as us but we got better, like the games got farther and farther in terms of margin as it went along. you know it was mm-hmm. it was kind of unbelievable. like we were gaining strength. It was like one of those running backs in the fourth quarter who's like just running downhill and like grinding over you like that was us in these four days, and man, it was it was a thing of beauty to watch. Maddox finished the year shooting f- basically fifty two percent from three points That's like. Incredible. And Billis would say this, too, on the broadcast. Like, he needs to shoot more. like And maybe the, the idea that he's picking his spots is why his percentage is so high. But, I mean, every time he shoots a three, it's like, that's going in. Like, that's yes. what it feels like. It was – what a weapon that is going forward for this team. Him and Padula, like, as they grow in their games, um, really great to have them around for the next few years.
0: Yeah. And if you look at his shot, he's not even – the best on the team because couture's actual shot from three is uh, unbelievable i mean he he is so pure and like his touch and it is when he is on point like he would that one of his shots was i think six feet behind the arc the (laughs) one and as soon as he let it go I went up and went to the bathroom. I didn't even see it. <laughs> like, I'm not, this is not a joke. I went up and I went to, I was like, that's 100% in. I was like, this is a quick bo- like bathroom break. And and he drained it. There's like no chance. His shot is so pure. And they talked about that in the post game. And when they interviewed him, it, it was really nice. He, when he was talking about the team kept telling him, you are the best shooter, like by far on this team from from outside forget everything else that's happened before we're getting you the ball and just keep shooting it like you don't like th- that kind of confidence um that you can have around somebody and build them up even when they're not feeling like they can do it and then to watch him make seven three-pointers was just uh, awesome
1: and what made that tournament even better in hindsight is the fact that we were likely not getting in the tournament in the big dance without it like yes we needed every win now that duke win happened to be a clincher like with the automatic bid but we couldn't have gotten in with just the win over unc because of the bubble the way the bubble was playing out yeah. and so it's just amazing that with everything on the line like we came up with that huge victory and different guys just stepping up and mike young's known for his offense and like his you know shooting prowess and his teams and that kind of thing but the defense was just sensational, like, nice. and got better throughout the year. And every player kind of improved their defensive game until at the end, like, the whole team was just playing so cohesively.
0: Yeah, there wasn't a, it was weird to watch the broadcast and like see the players, but I can count like on like maybe three fingers times that like somebody was just really open for Duke and there wasn't the right transition or handoff in defensive coverage like they were handing off people so well everybody mm-hmm. was contested even if you know their duke is extremely athletic like you said four first round draft picks is likely what it's going to be but everybody was at least contested at almost every moment at, except for like a couple little breakdowns and um, it was it was it was just uh, it was a marvel to to watch and yeah, the watch. team should be so proud so, just some final thoughts
1: before we get to the NCAA tournament preview. Uh, we'd never been to the championship game. And in, in this case, we won it. And, like, in terms of Hokie basketball history, this is clearly one of the finest achievements. And it may be the best. Like, it really may be the highest achievement we've ever had in the sport. And that's incredible from where you think we were
0: halfway through the year. I think it has to be and especially I know it's been said over and over again so it's redundant but to do it four times like <laughs> like four wins in four days and that that first game would must have been exhausting having mm-hmm. that come down to to that then go play what Notre Dame was ranked right UNC was They ranked. were the top 3 seeds in the tournament. Yeah, the top 3 seeds to beat 3 then two then one uh, all like one after another on uh, by I don't even know how anybody if any of them were walking around on like the day after that win I would be surprised because <laughs> you gotta be yeah. just
1: gassed yeah, no legs
0: well and that's why I was so glad we got the Friday mm-hmm.
1: slot for the NCAA tournament because we need every extra day we can get yeah. uh, to recover from that run. Uh, I also just wanted to mention Mike Young, he took a lot of heat in the middle of the year because of the late game meltdowns, because a lot of people view that as poor coaching. And I'm sure he would want some calls back, some plays back, but this team was better than that. And, and if you look at the Ken Palm and you look at the luck rating, like for where our efficiency is to where our results were, it wasn't adding up. And some of that is literally just bad luck. Like a ball bounces the wrong way. Rebound goes haywire or whatever. I'm not saying that we couldn't have played better in those games, but like the tip in against Xavier, if that bounces one different way, like that's a win. It's luck is a factor. And so maybe we just got all of our luck at the end of the year. And maybe, you know, our skill matched up with our luck to make, create this amazing ending. But either way, he did an amazing coaching job because, as Shelton Moss pointed out, one of the writers for the key play and Diablo fan account on Twitter, we don't even have a top 100 recruit on this team right now. and no conference tournament winning team like in the past eight years has done it without a top 100 player. That's something he he put out this week on Twitter. and I that's mind-blowing. You know, like he, Mike Young really developed these guys from Wofford to tech, some of them, and he went out and won the freaking ACC with them.
0: Yeah, it it, it was, and they put out that that was an awesome stat. I read that article, and there was a lot of stats like that in terms of not having any players that were really recruited by major programs. Like, it was, there's a ton of stats out there like that. Mike Young, I think... Yeah, for i find if, if somebody wants to take and give him heat for kind of the middle of the season, some of those calls and things like that, to pick this team up and give them the resolve to keep grinding to get to this point is such a mind blowing, like, difficult job. I can't even like imagine what it must be to pull guys that have other things going on in their lives like you know you're not playing very well or you are playing like well but you just get bad breaks like that wears down on you Mm -hmm. to be able to pull the team together i think speaks so many volumes about like why he is a good coach for us and a good coach for this program and you know it it's it doesn't it doesn't even make any sense it was funny a lot of people have been putting out charts of like showing where we stood at last place in the acc and then to be like oh but well, that's the team that ended up winning the acc mm-hmm. tournament it is it's it's crazy that um they were able and and credit to the players as well that's got to be hard just you know to know that you're better than what you're showing on the court to know to, to hear the fans they they hear what's going on out there oh, they absolutely. hear the fans and to see that people are like down in the dumps and then knowing that you are a really good team but just to like block all that out and just to keep working and you know a huge testament to to the entire program for for what they did it's it's honestly um it's incredible and it, it has to be within the proper context it has to be the greatest feat in virginia tech basketball and I'd, i'm not even sure it's really close <laughs> <laughs> you you
1: might be very right on that one. And the good news for Mike Young and the team is that we will have a top 100 recruit next year yes. in Rodney Rice coming in. He's our third highest recruit ever, ever. And it's going to be like, I just can't wait to see what Mike Young can do with more talent. Mm-hmm. And because we got two other top 200 guys coming in and yep. uh Wessler and Collins. And so with Maddox and Padula and Rice and whoever else ends up sticking around, It's going to be sweet, but this year, Robbie, we hung a banner. I mentioned it in the beginning of the year. We're going to hang a banner this season. I didn't think it was going to be the ACC title. I thought it might be a sweet 16 or something. you know, in a perfect world, a final four, but I never, I really never thought we'd win the ACC tournament. Maybe in the regular season, because it was kind of a down year. If we played well, we could, but like going up against, the likes of Duke and UNC in a tournament is always difficult on these back-to-back days. And that's
0: the banner we're hanging. I know. It's incredible. You got it right. You just didn't—I uh, don't <laughs> think you had the right one in mind. And one final note just on uh, Mike Young. I mean, you probably—everybody's seen this stat. He's now 6-0 and in championship games. He had—he won wow. five— I don't won, think I had seen that. He either. won five at Wofford. Every championship game that he played in, he won. And then now he won his first one in the ACC. He has not lost a championship game uh, as a head coach. God, I love that
1: guy. He's just he's just the
0: best man. Yeah. And and now it's
1: not even like, oh, is Mike Young a good hire? Is he going to prove himself? Like he just he just won the ACC like in year what is it year three, three for him? Yes. yes. Like he just won the freaking seeds it's unbelievable. Anyway, let's take a quick beer break uh, before we move on to the
0: NCAA tournament. All right, all right, Rob, what are you drinking over there? So I'm doing this thing is uh, there's a lot to unpack on this one. So it's a new Belgium, you know the Voodoo Ranger, right? Of I think course, most people yeah. know the Voodoo Ranger. Well, they started doing the Voodoo Ranger, uh, like the citrus hazy IPAs. That's like a seven and a half percent beer. Now I found this at the store and I figured it'd be fun for the podcast. We haven't recorded in a while. So I decided to up the ante. They have now done a voodoo Ranger juice force IPA. I, you got to see this can like it is. and That's it, a big boy too. That's like yeah. 20 ounces or something. Yeah. It's nine and a half percent. I, <laughs> it, it actually tastes pretty good. It's like, got that citrus and that but it has like almost malt uh ipa like like a malt liquor ipa with this thing it is (laughs) it is it is powerful i i don't even know you can like like, you can taste that nine and a half
1: percent yeah
0: like what were um remember all those like energy drinks that they used to have um the alcoholic energy drinks that sparks 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 Remember when they like before they reduced the alcohol in sparks, like when it was like the potent sparks? Because oh, like, and then uh, four loco as well, yeah, four loco that's that's the one, like they had like the the full octane four loco until that's like, right. It, until and then like, they had to, people FDA started came like man, it was like you got to lower that, shit. yeah, people started dying because they were like <laughs> it was like an upper with like you know, a down. This might be sparks. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not joking go out, like, they sell these now at, like, gas stations. I picked this up at a gas station because I was, like, on a quick trip just for, like, a single beer. I'm, I'm, I'm the, Yeah, but, it's the like, plea. they're trying
1: to appeal, since they're the high alcohols, that's, like, you know, the the guys that are always in the liquor store bar and like uh yes. the more heavy the
0: steel reserve and whatnot. That's what they're appealing to with this? Yeah, but like people that <laughs> like a hazy IPA. Like it's like the steel reserve lovers of like hazy IPAs. That's what this is. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It is it put it like there's like enough citrus in there that it doesn't like knock you on your on your butt, but I, I'm I'm just saying, go out and get one of these because it's like hilarious. If the other one is just like the Voodoo Ranger Hazy IPA, they sell those there, and that's like seven and a half percent. The regular Voodoo Ranger, I think, is like six percent, if I'm not mistaken. Well, so this is like this is the Sparks Voodoo Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I got a
1: question, and and you probably don't know the exact answer to this, but with the Voodoo Ranger Hazy, this that like. I'm not quite sure what New Belgium's doing with the branding of the Voodoo Ranger because the Ranger IPA was like their original IPA. Yes. And then they like came out with the Voodoo Ranger, but yes. now they've got like flavor after flavor of Voodoo Ranger. And I can't, I can't keep track of like, what's what
0: I, when I was at the store and I picked this up, the dude said, Hey, I got like three more flavors of that coming in next week. That's and yeah. It's weird. weird. And, you know, some of them are really good because
1: I've had some. My neighbor really likes those guys. He's like, you ever had the Voodoo Rangers? And I'm like, yeah, I've had some of them. But I I never know which ones I have because, like, it always seems like they're different.
0: Yeah. But they have been tasty. Yeah. The regular, like, the Ranger I used to drink back in the day was, like, just a regular IPA. Then the Mm -hmm. Voodoo, I think, was kind of, like, starting to get into the Imperial. And now they have, like, this, I mean... It's literally Voodoo Ranger Juice Force IPA. I mean, it's like it's it's like they're going the sparks route, and yeah, now they're, they're going like, to, like um, different flavors. Yeah, because like all these seltzer companies, all these things, they're
1: coming out with like different flavors, different colors on the can to like keep people interested. Like that's kind of what they're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's working because it caught my attention when I went yeah. in there. I was like, hey, and they had a bunch of like single cans of stuff, and I was like, oh, what's this? And well, I-, I am drinking. The time of the chimpanzee.
1: This is a Burlington beer company, Vermont beer. So this is a a New England beer, but it's called a New Zealand IPA. So I never heard of the New Zealand IPA. The can is pretty cool. It's got like uh you know like a chimp on it and kind of looks like Planet of the Apes type situation, but it's a really good beer. And I don't know if the like it's kind of like more feathery the the finish on the beer it's almost as if they mixed a hazy ipa with like an allagash white or something like that Hmm, (laughs) but it's it's really goes down smooth 6.5 percent really good easy drinking ipa and like i said it's a new zealand ipa so maybe there will be more of these maybe this is kind of just like a joke that they're doing i don't know but it's tasty burlington beer company time of the chimpanzee very good
0: i have three cousins that are all uh went to uvm so trust me there is a lot of weed that is smoked in uh up there (laughs) like a lot so uh, you know you never know what you're getting like um because what was it uh magic um what was it um magic cat magic cat yeah that's out of burlington so like there is there is a lot of um a lot of interesting psychedelic stuff that happens This, there. Yeah,
1: this could have been like a result of like a trip of some kind. Yeah, yeah, probably. I got this can from my brother-in-law, Chaz, and uh, he's always given me like good random beers. This one is really good. Nice. All right, the NCAA tournament. The Hokies got an 11 seed, which after winning the ACC, I am happy to just be in the tournament, but that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Getting an 11 seed as the ACC champion, no matter how the season went, is a joke we won thirteen of our last fifteen games, and we're an eleven seed i I'm not too happy about that did you do you really care about the seed or are you just kind of whatever
0: I'm kind of whatever I gotta be honest yeah. it's just because we well seeing how the bubble went because like Rick when Richmond won on what was it the next day I guess that would have been on Sunday that that kicked somebody else the another yes. team out like the bubble did not go very well for people. So um, we could have found ourselves in like kind of dire straits if we had not um, gotten in. So I, 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 I agree with you. I'm just not that worried about it. and seeing what they just did now that I'm more excited that we got the Friday game than I care about the 11 seed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that for me is more important. And I do think we got a pretty decent matchup. like um, at least in the first round. Um, it's a yeah, good team. And but... you have to consider,
1: you have to consider the ACC this year. When you think about that 11, I mean, the ACC had a historically bad season by every metric. It, it, it could be the worst ACC basketball season ever. I'm not trying to take anything away from our title. Cause we still had to beat a top 10 Duke team and probably a Duke team that would have been a one seed had they not lost to us. Um, uh, but it wasn't a good year for the conference. We only got five ACC teams in the tournament. There wasn't a ranked, on ranked matchup all year long, which I don't think has ever happened in the ACC. And so in that in that respect, I get it. And I understand that we're going to be a little lower, but we could have been on the 10 line. We could have been on the nine line. But ultimately, it, it doesn't matter. You got to beat who's in front of you. There's good teams in every quadrant, and every bracket. So... We got Texas first game and Texas on the other hand was in what is considered by most to be the best basketball conference this year. According to Sagarin's rankings, the big 12 was the best basketball conference.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think, you know, it all, it all shakes up depending on how you look at things. But I, I do think you can never know what you're going to get. Even if you come in as a 10 seed, you know, if you swap us and I know this is not how it works, but you swap us with San Fran who came in as a 10 seed and then you're getting Kentucky right in, in game (laughs) assuming that you win. So right. Right. Like the, the maturations of how this can play out are, are so different and you can end up being a higher seed with like a much worse draw depending on how, how you get placed overall in the, in, in the bracket.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And as far as Texas goes, I feel like this is a good matchup for us. Texas is a very good team. They finished fourth in the Big 12. They were 10 and 8 in conference. They won 21 games overall, but they're 15th in the Ken Palm rankings, a, a, you know, advanced metric that, you know, I like a lot and one that favored the Hokies. Most of the year, I believe we finished the year 23 in the Ken Palm, which was pretty high for the the tournament teams and Texas is, you know, a good eight spots ahead of us. So they're, they're an efficient team. And the funny thing is I looked at their metrics and they also had horrible luck this year. If you look at their little like luck ranking, it's in like the high 200. So they might've had some similar issues to us, but they're a good defensive team. To just sweep them in broad strokes, good defensive team, bad shooting team. Uh, I think they're 13th in the country in defense, but they're 255th in three-point percentage. I think there's only 360 teams. So they're in the the bottom two-thirds of shooting the three ball. Um, They're in the bottom two-thirds of rebounding the ball. They're not a big team, but they're they're an athletic team, and they defend very, very well.
0: Yeah, I mean, the majority of their losses came against ranked opponents. So if you look at that, eight of their 11 opponents at the time, I think it's at the time that they've played that they show on ESPN, were all ranked. Um, so, I mean, they, they went up against a, a pretty good and, and stellar. They played Gonzaga to, to earlier on in the year. So they, they played some good teams. But um, what, you, what you hit on, which is what I was kind of drawn to, was they are horrific Uh, behind the arc it it is like really bad i i was looking for anybody that had like decent um three point percent shooting and i got to like ninth on like their overall like scoring um on teams and it's like basically somebody off their bench that made like one of two well it has like a 50 percent like you know three point percentage everybody else is like in the 30s some of them are like creeping into like the like low 30s and some of them are in like the high 20s so to your point Um, it is they the shooting of this team is um, is suspect but the defense is obviously very very good given their athleticism
1: yeah they've been struggling without Trey Mitchell he's a guy that's been sitting out for personal reasons since February 12th and they are three and five in the big 12 without him and seven and four with him I got that from Diablo fan account on Twitter but It's, it's worthy of a mention because he was one of the few taller guys on their team and they were playing better with him and they finished the season losing three in a row. Now those three were to Baylor, Kansas and TCU, all very good teams, but they're having the opposite end to the season that we are. And so it's going to be interesting who comes out more ready to play on Friday games at four 30, beautiful happy hour time for most people, four 30 on a Friday. I can't wait. I'm going down to Charlotte to visit some friends. We will hopefully be out for the game and I I just can't wait. It's it's perfect way to spend the Friday afternoon. But Texas is a lot more battle-tested on a season-long perspective than we are because they just played a lot of very good teams and we didn't.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um and you know Timmy Allen, their their forward uh led the team in Points, rebounds, steals, um, pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, Their guard, Marcus Carr, who led the team in assists, but he puts up like 11 points a game right behind him. They have another guard, Andrew Jones, who's really good at just a hair underneath what Carr put up. Uh, I think it was like 11.7 versus like 11.5 point or 10.7 versus 10.5 game. I think the big difference between these teams is really going to be – outside the arc. Honestly, it, it, it's going to be defense, as as you said, but it, this is not... <laughs> I know it's asking a lot after what Couture just did, but this is not going to be a good game for us to go cold on, on the outside because that, that is going to be the real advantage for us. Um, and then rebounding. I think that uh, we're going to have to do what we just did in the ACC tournament again and really just flock to the ball because this team... Um, is very athletic they're fast they're quick and that's gonna be that's gonna be key and i'm just also hoping that the you know we're not tired i mean that that is a huge stretch and a lot of emotional um a lot of emotional energy that we just expended to, to get through that tournament that we just we ended up winning but it's gonna i think it's gonna rear a little bit of a head at some point
1: yeah these guards are gonna give us a problem car jones and Ramey all averaging about 10 a game like you said and it's that's the kind of team for most of the year that we had a hard time against, even the n c states of the world gave us a hard time because they had athleticism at the wing, and we're gonna see I feel like because of the way we've been playing defense and the way this Texas team plays defense, like this could be a real slobber knocker like I don't really I can't wait to watch these guards, all of them go up against each other. I think it's gonna be really fun um, but we need. I think we're going to need contributions from Padula in this game because he's one of our better drivers and to break down that perimeter D you need guys who can drive and dish and get to the rack and storm did better at it. But Padula is, he's a very, he's very good at it. And so I'm wondering if we'll see a little bit more of him in this game. Um, But I I think storm will start. He'll play a lot. And with the way he played in the tournament, I'm excited about the prospect of our chances in this game because Aluma and Mutz will have the rebounding advantage. They'll have the inside advantage. We saw what Mutz did to Paolo Banchero on the inside with that dunk, making him go sideways. That was one of the coolest plays. I meant to mention that earlier. But that will be an advantage for us. So if we're hitting shots on the outside, we'll have the bigs and that presence inside on them. So if we can get a good game out of Kator, good game out of you know Naheem and, and Storm, just everyone kind of just, plays okay. If no one goes completely in the tank, I think we'll pull out this victory because I, I I like this matchup for us.
0: Yeah, I think it's um I, th- I think you know having having that good uh guards and wings is it's gonna that also requires a lot more energy from that <laughs> we're probably gonna be lacking a little bit of. It's gonna be a little bit more fast paced. So I think uh your point about Padula is is right because that guy does not care. I mean, he just does, like, he is just balls to the wall. And he should will. have fresher
1: legs than some of the other guys mm-hmm. because and, he didn't have to play as much in the last two games.
0: And it, it, if he can drive, maybe you can cause some foul trouble. You get a couple of reach-ins. You get, like, you know, somebody that gets a little bit handsy and things like that. It, it, that could be a big benefit um, to, to use him for to try and draw people um, draw people into, into, you know, unforced fouls. And not only did he not play, but he's
1: probably like five years younger than mutts and storm because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> like, right. he's a true freshman and they've been around forever. Yeah. So he's got those young legs. But anyway, um, yeah, man, I can't wait. That's it's, it's a good matchup and we get to go against Chris Beard who had Texas tech in the title against UVA a couple of years back. He's a really good coach. It's kind of weird him going from Texas tech to Texas. I know Texas is Austin and it's, it's the big university, not in the boondocks, but it's just funny to hop in conference like
0: that. Yeah. It's, um, people will pop around. Uh, it's, um, I think it happened in football this past season. I think uh, one of the former coaches uh, hopped back down into Texas to be in, like an assistant or like a films Oh, yeah. Coach. It was uh, like a
1: Baylor guy, right? Yeah, so something something
0: yeah. like that. And a year earlier was saying it was like his most hated team. And then like he's walking <laughs> around like a Texas. Uh, the, when the Texas dollars come calling, most people uh, answer the call.
1: Yeah, that's that's very, very true. So in if we were to beat Texas, um, not gonna record in between, and this is the caveat, and we're not trying to jinx anything. It's just we would probably play Purdue because they're the three seed and I'm not gonna prep for uh, who are they playing, like St. Peter's or something like that? I can't even look at the bracket. Oh yeah, no. okay. Um but it's probably gonna be Purdue. They're a very good
0: team. Very and good defensive team.
1: And unlike Texas, who doesn't really have any NBA prospects, Purdue has three NBA prospects. They've got Jaden Ivy, who will probably go in the top five. Like he is, he's that dude. Like 6'4 sophomore, projected as top five pick. But they have a seven foot four kid on their team. He's um, Ed, Eddie Zach Eddie, seven foot four center, fourteen points a game, almost eight rebounds. And he's projected as a second rounder, but you got to keep in mind there's only 60 picks in the NBA draft. If you're projected anywhere, like you're really, really good in college basketball. So Eddie and Trevion Williams are both projected as the second round, but Ivy, he is averaging 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, and a steal, dropping 20 points pretty much every game consistently lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're really good. I mean, the Big Ten got nine teams in the tournament, which maybe a little slightly undeserved like but they're a good conference um although Titus and Tate well, they're they're one of the the only college basketball podcasts I listen to uh Titus is a former Ohio State player and he's like the Big Ten outside of Iowa
0: like they're just not that good
1: and so I'm hoping that's true if we get to play Purdue <laughs> yeah
0: well, well that nobody is that high on the big 10 right now even my wife with i uh, she she was like yeah i don't even think ohio state should even be in this like yeah, and i'm like going through my my daughter did her picks today and the only teams that she knows are like ohio state and michigan so like she has she has michigan going like all the way i was like oh don't <laughs> don't tell mom that like <laughs> just she's like you know i like that logo it's <laughs> like oh no here we go <laughs> but uh yeah they, they the big 10 is not been stellar but neither is the acc so i I think um, i mean the big 10
1: has been a lot better than us and Mm -hmm. but so much of it comes down to when it comes to the bids like where you did earlier in the year because you had to beat your out-of-conference teams and then since you did well out of conference then all your rankings all go up and we didn't do well and they did do well but that doesn't have any bearing on how the teams are playing now and i think what the point was of titus was just like none of the big 10 teams are like really bringing the juice right now outside of Iowa. Yep. And so we'll see. We'll see. Obviously if we get to play Purdue, that would just be really nice. Cause it means we beat Texas and mm-hmm. um, God, I would love nothing more than a sweet 16 run Robbie, because the regional, if we were going to the sweet 16 is in Philly and wow. I would be able to go.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is actually pretty sweet. Eight hey- Listen, everything's coming full circle because uh, Friday is my birthday. So, um, so uh, that's very nice. Yeah, we granted I will. Uh, I'll have my daughter. My wife's working, so but we'll find some time to uh, catch our game at four thirty Eastern time, um, God's time. Not how's that? <laughs> now that, now that's, that, that a shot, in, uh, that's a shot. That's a shot across the bow at uh, Godfrey and uh, them doing everything in Central Time
1: right right spring forward man we just had it that was tough the day after brooklyn because i'm in a hotel and then we spring forward and i'm hungover, and it's like you got to get out of the hotel an hour <laughs> early basically that was kind of rough
0: late <laughs> just late checkout man you just gotta <laughs> call be the first one in the morning just pick up the phone at like 5 a.m just say "Can I do late checkout yeah for real
1: um all right last couple things before we sign off The spring game is happening for football. We got to mention some football stuff. We're not we'll go into more details about all the spring football in a couple weeks after March Madness winds down, but we're getting a spring game. Thank the bejesus. It's happening. It's gonna be on TV. And not only are we getting a spring game, we are getting an open practice. Can you believe that?
0: I (sighs) I Yeah, I, I don't want to go on a tear about this, but how much have we talked about this over the last, what, seven years of this podcast about yeah. access to the program and all of those sorts of things, and six years under Fuente and not having televised spring games and all of that. So I'm just happy the fans get to go out and see the players, and the players get to have fans around to watch them play.
1: Yeah, the access is back, and you see the Twitter videos of – Pry in classrooms, talking to kids. You see him talking to the wrestling coach. You see him; he's always out there sending messages to the other teams, glad handing. And I I know that like being Mac Brown and being that kind of guy, like the the glad hander, it's not everything, but it's something that this program needed. In addition to being a good coach, he's got to prove it on the field. But we need that personal part. Of this program as well, we need to feel a part of it, and Pry is doing that.
0: Yep, I couldn't agree more. I'm super excited because I won't be able to make it there for you know the spring game, and I get to watch you know whether it's real kind of football or just fake football. At least I get to see the players a little bit earlier, and I'm just happy for all the fans that get to go out there and and see see a practice and whether you show them something or show them nothing it doesn't matter that's not that's not what it's about and i think that's what was always lost in translation is it's not it's not about you know going out there and trying to figure out who's going to be the starter or who isn't it's going out there and just seeing the colors and just seeing the players and allowing people to get juiced up and excited about the season
1: definitely man and it is weird that the games on easter weekend i yes. it's not usually what they do but it's on Easter Saturday and it's on the, you know, the anniversary of the 32. Yeah. And so it's going to be a big emotional day because, like, the spring game is back and it's on, you know, the, the day of the 32 and all that. And so um, it's going to be cool. They're going to probably do some nice events and stuff like that. And it, it's a it's just a big day for Virginia. Every every April 16th is big for tech um, for for not so good reasons, but we in the remembrance fashion, it's good and um now this year it's even bigger i think
0: yeah i my suspicion was that was on purpose honestly i think they planned it that way it's the changing of the guard to like people that quote unquote are like virginia tech coaches right i think that i think that um i think that was planned um yeah no that 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 that
1: makes sense that makes sense it's kind of like Let's get back to our roots and what we're about. We're about Virginia Tech. We're about honoring from those who pass to those yeah. who co- to come. You know, like that's yeah. that's
0: one of our mottos. And yeah. that's so, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does like an interview or something and and spend some time talking about that. So uh, I think For sure. that that's just my guess, um, but I I think that was probably intentional and and I think it's it's a good thing. Like we should celebrate. Um, the good things, but also remember, you know, you know, the things that have happened in the past, like you said. All right. I think that's going to do it,
1: man. Uh, Great podcast. I mean, one of the more fun podcasts we've had in a long time getting to, go overall being champs i mean we don't get to be conference champs very often of anything so this is this is really cool unless we're the track team or wrestling came close we got a lot of good teams on campus right now but to do it in one of the two big sports in basketball man it was it was really special so this was a lot of fun make sure to hit us on twitter it's at 2dvt 2dvt at gmail.com if you want to email us anything Uh, We got stickers for sale on the website. You can find all the details for that. That's 2DeepVT.com. Just $5 donation via Venmo. Uh, All the details, like I said, are up under the merch tab on our website. And I think that's going to do it. Until next time, when we're hopefully celebrating a sweet 16 birth, go Hokies.